Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers. Oh, we don't credit anything else. Let's go. Right. Guess who's back? That is correct. I am back. And today, as we wrap up the bye week as Sunday night football between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins, who the Packers will be going up against in a few weeks' time. As that all wraps up, we are going to be wrapping up the bye week with an episode of What in the World Happened to the Packers defense in 2022. This was a team that was supposedly equipped with a top defense in the league. That's the type of hype that the Packers defense was getting prior to the season. And that did not come close to materializing. Why? Well, in today's episode, we're going to look back. We're going to go all the way back to 2018, just like we did with the offense. And we're going to discuss what has happened and how we got to where we are today and a little bit of what we're going to need to do moving forward. So, in 2018, the 2018 Packers, they were not a good football team, and that, along with the offensive side of the ball, includes the defensive side of the ball. They lacked edge depth with old guys like Clay Matthews. They had rookie cornerback Jair, so he wasn't quite quite the player that he is now. And they had guys like HaHa Clinton Dix still at safety. So, you ended up with a defense that needed changes to be made and going into 2019 those changes were made the Packers brought in two edge guys Darius Smith and Preston Smith to really shore up that position as well as a safety addition in Adrian Amos they further supplemented the defense and those positions specifically by picking edge rusher Rashawn Gary out of Michigan who you may or may not know about and Darnell Savage Uh, The safety out of, who again, you may or may not know about, the University of Maryland. And so, in 2019, you ended up with a pretty good defensive product. Kevin King played well. He led the team in interceptions. Jair had the year two jump that, I mean, people were probably expecting. And he became a top five cornerback in the NFL at that point. Amos and Savage were a very, very nice duo, and Zadarius and Preston were just absolutely phenomenal. They brought a whole new energy to the defensive side of the ball, and even linebackers Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell played their role nicely. And so, as a result, you didn't exactly get a great defense, but you got a defense that did its job as part of a good, not great, football team. The 2019 Packers offense, good, not great. The 2019 Packers defense, good, not great, though probably a bit better than the offense. The biggest defensive issue in 2019, however, was glaring come the playoffs, and that was the run defense. And oh boy, was it exposed in the 2019 NFC Championship game, where they were good enough all year, the defense was, they got sacks when they needed to. I mean, in the divisional round, they just got a sack to ice the game against Russell Wilson after really not a pretty second half. 
but the run defense just totally exploded when Kyle Shanahan came in, said, hi, Mike Pettin. Yeah, I know. I know. I used to work with you, buddy, back in Cleveland. Those were fun days, huh? I'm going to absolutely expose you now. And that led to a Packers playoff exit. So then you moved into 2020, where the Packers defense, much of it, came back. They added in Chris Barnes and Christian Kirksey to replace the losses of Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. And then essentially just ran back everything else. And surprisingly enough, there was some definite regression in 2022 because not necessarily of any sort of big thing. It wasn't like Zadarius Smith regressed or Jair Alexander regressed. In fact, both those players, maybe not Zadarius, but Jair certainly got better. He solidified himself as a top three or three NFL cornerback, but they just struggled to tackle at all levels. In addition to that, Kevin King regressed. He didn't quite have the interceptions that he'd had the prior year. And it's games like the week three tackling disaster in New Orleans, uh, again in 2020, that just stick in my mind and probably a lot of your minds. And so that's that's probably the lasting image from that defense. Maybe for you, the lasting defense, the lasting image is something that we'll talk about in a second. But I'm just going to give them a little bit of praise here in 2020 because I think what's easily forgotten is that they came together at the right time and along with one of the best offenses ever. Check the stats. Listen to the last episode. It was statistically that. I think the 2022 Packers had their best shot at the Super Bowl. In Week 16, the defense, they really tackled extremely well against Derrick Henry, who no one expected them to perform well against. In Week 17, they held up very nicely against a weak Bears offense. In the divisional round, the defense and pass rush specifically got after a Rams team that just wasn't a match for Zadarius Preston or even a young Rashawn Gary. And then in the NFC Championship game, and this might be your lasting image, the game that probably got Mike Pettin fired, it was a series of terrible defensive decisions in the first half, capped by the Scotty Miller touchdown for the Bucks, that probably left the defense out to dry hung them out for people to just throw rocks at because everyone assumed, you know, that's why the Packers lost a game, right? You can't do that with Scotty Miller. And that's right, you can't. And Mike Pettin was by no means a great defensive coordinator. There were obvious execution issues, but he got his guys playing good ball at the right time. He allowed his defense to be multiple. And in the back half of that NFC Championship game, in the second half, they had three interceptions. Jair with two, I believe Amos with the other one. And they gave that offense a chance to take them to the Super Bowl. The offense couldn't quite get it done. So, so I know that the defense is going to get a lot of blame in that NFC Championship game. I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but they weren't that bad. Still, however, Mike Pettin was gone. And so you moved to 2021 with the defensive coordinator hunt on. And Jim Leonard, Ejiro Evero, and Joe Barry were really the three guys that it seemed like the Packers were looking at. Leonard, and X, an ex-NFL safety, and uh, the Wisconsin Badgers defensive coordinator at the time was offered the job, but he politely, I assume, decided to stay with Wisconsin. And so then the Packers said, okay, we're going to pivot to Joe Barry. And Barry was a guy that had only coordinated atrocious defenses. You could... I mean, he didn't atro- coordinate an atrocious defense last year, but they weren't great. Um, and that included his previously coordinated defense, a Lions team that went 0-16. However, 
as a part of the Ram staff that Matt LaFleur had just previously worked on. Barry was seemingly friendly with LaFleur, so LaFleur decided to go with him. He said, let's bring in a friend here. Let's give him an opportunity with a really talented defense. And the Packers defense came out in 2021. And what did it do? It didn't look great. Not great at all against the Saints in week one. Everything was an issue. But as the year progressed, the defense started stepping up. You saw Joe Barry's infectious energy beginning to inspire the defensive side of the ball with them tackling exceptionally well. They stopped great running games like the Niners for much of week three. And they also dominated, dominated mobile quarterbacks. They had a phenomenal stretch against Arizona, Kansas City, and Seattle in weeks eight, nine, and ten, I believe, Kyler, Mahomes, and Wilson, where they just shut those guys down. They shut out Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. And that probably begs the question, how'd they do that? Well, it was players like Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes playing so well in the middle of the field that helped hold up the run defense, and that those two middle linebackers really helped against mobile quarterbacks. The D-line also showed up against the run. Dean Lowry had his best season as a pro. Kenny Clark was just freaking Kenny Clark. And then Rashawn and Preston both played really, really, really well on the outside, even with Sedaria Smith out for the year. On the back end, again, even with an injury, Jair Alexander being out, Eric Stokes really showed up really, really proved himself as a first-round pick, and Rasul Douglas, just a phenomenal addition by Goody, balled out. He won the Arizona game with an interception, had a pick-six to help the Packers steal the Rams game. He had a pick-six to help the Packers blow out the Bears, and then, of course, he had, I believe, two or three interceptions on Christmas Day against the Browns, including one to win the game. You also had Adrian Amos playing really, really, really well in addition to the good play up front that seemed to fit into Barry's scheme nicely. He, you know, off of that, Barry just didn't do anything egregious. He didn't have the egregious off coverage. And as the year went on, sure, some things started to deteriorate a little bit, including the run defense, which turned into an absolute firestorm against the Browns and Ravens. But when push came to shove, they showed up. Because, and this was the image that we all had of the defense going into the offseason, in the NFC Divisional Round 2021, Joe Barry, as we later learned, was challenged by Matt LaFleur to come up with looks that San Francisco hadn't seen yet. And it worked. The defensive line showed up. Rashawn Gary setting the edge so well. In-game adjustments made to any San Francisco run adjustment. The back end also played well because, you know, when they're not talked about a lot, it's probably a good game for the secondary. And yes, the game was lost, but the defense looked so, so good. It looked like, hey, man, Barry's making adjustments unlike Petten. The guys are playing well. The guys are playing with energy. This is what we want from our defense and as we moved into 2022, excitement was at an all-time high. Stokes, you're ready for him to have his year two jump. Devondre Campbell, he was an all-pro last year. Rasul Douglas was a pro bowler. Rashawn Gary, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. And Jair Alexander is coming back. It is time. It is time. It was time. Well, let's discuss what happened. To me, there are three levels of the defense there are the front guys your defensive linemen your edge guys there's the middle really just the middle linebackers sometimes a dropped safety and there is the back end your cornerbacks your deep safeties but where did all of those levels fail in 2022 after people expected them to be so good well let's examine joe barry's scheme 
Joe Barry comes from working under Staley in Los Angeles, who had previously worked under Vic Fangio in Chicago and ran the Fangio system. And I'm going to give so much credit here to Benjamin Solak, who works for The Ringer. He had a phenomenal three-part series on the Staley system. And I'm going to try and condense it here for you guys. The idea, the general premise of this Staley system is that instead of trying to gain a numbers advantage in the box to stop the run, instead of having your six-man box against the opposing team's five-man line or your seven-man box against the opposing team's six-man line, you, you just stay even in that area. And you instead of being plus one, you're at net neutral and you drop a guy back to help out in the pass game. And that's what gives you your classic two-high safety shell. Okay? And now you're asking, well, you're taking a body out of the box to... Um, who was supposed to help the run game, shouldn't your run defense suffer? Well, Staley adjusted to that up front, where instead of having his linemen line up in the offensive line gaps to penetrate, he'd have them line straight up. So he'd have a nose tackle line up straight over the center. And the idea then is that that nose tackle can plug two gaps at once. You could say fill the gap to the right of the center with your body, forcing the running back to take the gap on the other side of the center, but then the nose tackle pushes the center into that gap, clogs up that lane, the running back has nowhere to go, and then you give your time you give the time for the safeties to come up, diagnose the run and make a tackle, for the linebackers to come up and make a tackle, and that's the premise there. Then as long as you can survive in that area in the past game, now's where you can really survive because thrive, not just survive. Because with your one extra body, you can do all kinds of things. You can play a classic cover two or cover four defense. You can rotate your safeties after the snap, dropping one to play a cover one or a cover three. That forces quarterbacks to make quick reads, quick decisions. And so now you've limited running gains while also getting a massive leg up in the passing game and that is just so important to do in a league dominated by passing quarterbacks. So that's the system. You force offenses to run the ball, put together their long clock controlling drives, and sure, the run game against the Staley system is generally more successful than against other trees, but all it takes is that one or two run stops on a three or four down drive, and then Staley forces you to play into his hands, he makes you pass the football, and that's capitalizes so that is that's the blueprint that's what barry came in trying to establish and the the blueprint for going against that was sort of developed by the green bay packers because in the 2020 divisional round one of my favorite packers games in recent memory the packers with their excellent offensive line and elite running backs ran all over a weak defensive line with an injured aaron donald it allowed them to stay away from Staley's dominant pass defense, headlined, of course, by Jalen Ramsey, and they only really passed the ball utilizing a lot of play action. So that was the blueprint. It's if you can run the ball successfully, then you have success against this Staley system. But herein lies the issue. Joe Barry might be able to adopt the scheme and say, this is what I want to run, but implementing it and getting guys to execute it is just where he failed. Brandon Staley is a great mind, and he can tell Joe Barry, give him all the keys from an X's and O's standpoint, but he can't teach Joe Barry how to teach his players. And 
Now is where we jump into the three defensive levels. Up front, going into 2022, the Green Bay Packers were supposed to have a defensive front that could dominate this season with Rashawn Gary, a defensive player of the year candidate. Preston Smith, a really, really solid veteran guy. Kenny Clark, a top interior guy in the league. Dean Lowry coming off his best season. TJ Slayton just taking further development steps. Devonta Wyatt drafted at 28 in the draft in the first round and Jerron Reed signed in free agency. It was all, every single piece was coming together and setting up for the Green Bay Packers to have the guys that they needed to plug the gaps in the run game with just a six-man box, as I just described before, as you want to do in Staley's system, and then go from there. But none of that materialized. Rashawn Gary, he tore his ACL, and since then, the run defense, it has deteriorated significantly, along with Preston Smith's performance deterioration. Kenny Clark, he has been a shell of himself for or had been for a month prior to the Bears game. Jerron Reed, he's been on and off, and Dean Lowry has just played terribly, yet still, Devontae Wyatt can't seem to get double-digit snaps over him. So, a defense and a front that was supposed to be really, really good against the run was only mediocre prior to Rashawn Gary's injury and has absolutely collapsed since then because of a lack of ability to make plays in the middle of the field is not what we expected. Is that on Joe Barry? Not fully it's not. But you can't help but ignore, the, but mention the fact that Brandon Staley had an innate ability, and players have raved about this, to teach his players what he wants from them. It hasn't seemed like Barry has that ability. On the In the middle level of the defense, the Packers, they entered the season with their middle linebacker group being probably, maybe, the deepest position on the team. They had the first-team All-Pro Devondre Campbell, best middle linebacker in the league last year. They had rookie Quay Walker drafted at 22. Chris Barnes coming off of some really solid years, and Isaiah McDuffie just developing further. And these are guys that, in a team that really wants to live in a six-man box, was supposed to make that possible. But Devondre Campbell, he has absolutely regressed and is missing far more tackles. Chris Barnes has been injured for, you know, three quarters of the season or so. Isaiah McDuffie isn't getting snaps because well, he doesn't really deserve them. And Quay Walker is your most consistent tackler, but he's a rookie and he's shown rookie mistakes. And as a result, you now have a position group that Joe Barry's supposed to specialize in just showing at best mediocrity for all of the 2022 season after showing a lot more than mediocrity throughout 2021. That doesn't help in both the run game and the pass game. So that's sort of how the run defense has collapsed. You have this front that was supposed to play well, unable to play the way they want to play in the Staley system with their six-man box, linebackers not being able to come up and plug the run gaps, and now we get to the back end where everything's fallen apart. This has been almost undoubtedly the most disappointing position group for the Packers in 2022. It is a group that was supposed to thrive in Staley's system. And it was set up to do that because you had an elite three cornerbacks with Jair, Stokes, and Rasul alongside a pro bowler safety and Adrian Amos. 
and a first-round pick, probably his biggest career accomplishment, in Darnell Savage. I'm sorry, Darnell Savage gets all the bullets at this point, but <laughs> it's just too bad. Well, there were a lot of issues in the secondary, and I've sort of got it down to three big issues. The first, basically entirely on Joe Barry, usage. Joe Barry, your job with the Staley system, and this is what I'm talking about, being unable to implement it, your job is to use your back end to create havoc and dominate opposing passing games, but he didn't do that because he used his guys so poorly. He put Rasul Douglas in the slot, a position that he is not fit for because the slot position is for quick, twitchy guys that can make moves and stick with really fast and agile receivers, whereas Rasul Douglas is a stiff, large corner that plays best when he can use the sideline as his friend and box people out and make plays that way. Barry also insisted on playing zone coverage, where guys like Stokes and Rasul can't be physical, can't really challenge their guy, and instead are forced to literally be passive and pass off routes to each other. And then most egregiously, Joe Barry played every single person. I mean, it didn't matter who you were. He played them 10 yards off the freaking line of scrimmage. Every single one of your top guys, Jair, Stokes, Rasul, those are best those are at their best when they are physical. They're allowed to be physical, and only Jair is as good in zone as he is in man, and that's just because Jair's a freak. But Barry insisted on forcing them to play passive, forcing them to not give up anything over the top, but give up eight yards completions at a time. Every single, every single drive. It's so frustrating. It is unbearable to watch. It's something that LaFleur complained about while Pettin was still his defensive coordinator, and he brought Joe Barry in, and lo and behold, there's the exact same issue. That pisses me off, and that is one of the biggest issues with the Packers defense this year. It's how Joe Barry has used his secondary. Another issue, communication. When you're forced to play zone coverage, as Joe Barry has forced his secondary to do, you have to. You just have to be able to pass off routes to each other, and the Packers haven't been able to do it all year. It started in week one against Justin Jefferson. It's continued since then. Week 11, 12, 13, 14, all of them have shown the Packers being incapable of communicating. And Amos, Rasul, Stokes, and Savage, especially Savage, again, sorry, Savage just seems to catch all the bullets, are involved in so, so many plays where they just leave a receiver streaking open because all of them assume that the other person's going to pick the receiver up, and then you get Justin Jefferson putting up video game-type numbers on your secondary. And then the third issue, coverage and tackling failures. Everyone's struggled in coverage and tackling. Some of that, like Jair this past week, can be put on the call not getting in in time, and then Jair not being able to get set, and then not trusting the system, so he tries to jump the route on Nikhil Harry, and then tries to make it back up, and that's kind of all a mess. But some of it is also, like with Amos and Savage, just guys getting beat, or guys, sorry Amos, getting old, because Amos has not been the same guy, he hasn't played with the same vigor that he's played with in the past. Savage is just throwing chicken wings at guys instead of actually trying to use his body to make a tackle. And that, well, that's just not on Joe Barry. And so that's what happened. That is what happened to the secondary. That's what happened to the middle of the defense. And that's what happened to the front end. 
And it is those collapses on all three levels of the defensive side of the ball that have led us to the point that we're at right now. And now you ask the question, well, what's the fix? Well, to answer exactly what the fix needs to be, we have to pinpoint exactly what the problem has been. I've sort of given you a very large outline of that in the past you know, five or ten minutes. But even more so than when the offense is at the ball, I put so little of this on the players that Gutekunst is bringing in. I refuse to admit that the players are the problem. I think it's the coaching. I think it's absolutely the coaching. Because Gutekunst has stacked the roster with guys that we've seen play really, really well. Stokes with his breakout rookie season. Rasul Douglas with his season last year. Devondre Campbell winning first-team All-Pro honors Kenny Clark a pro bowl to all pro player for years on end and Jair Alexander literally an all pro player have all struggled and that's not just a coincidence that's not just all those guys losing a step that is on the coaching and that is where I think you need an absolute overhaul because the guys that you're not seeing performing are not performing because they're being put in very poor positions and they're not being taught exactly what they need to do. Joe Jerry Gray, okay? Let's let's go let's go through the coaches who I think should be fired. Jerry Gray, his secondary cannot communicate at all. He's the second secondary coach. He his secondary can't communicate at all, can't pass off routes and guys can't tackle. You should probably be firing him. Jerry Montgomery, he's the defensive line coach. They've just underperformed for around a month now. He should probably be fired too because he's having guys like Kenny Clark not play well. He's not helping Dean Lowry. Jerron Reed's been on and off. The only really bright guy has been TJ Slayton in terms of taking some developmental steps. And he's not even letting Devonta Wyatt get any snaps. Ryan Downard, who's uh, the safety coach, has his safeties, aside from Rudy Ford, all struggling. Amos, Savage, I can list more. And... So all of those guys, all those position coaches need to be fired. And then to cap it all off, Joe Barry, whose defense cannot tackle, communicate, and is continuously put into poor defensive situations by his play calling and play design, should be fired. That, to me, is the defensive overhaul that needs to happen. Will it? I have no idea. Honestly, I almost kind of doubt it. I doubt all of those guys are get fired. And that being said... If it doesn't, you're going to have to prepare for similar defensive failures next year. But let's say that it does happen. Where do we go from there? Because now you've just cleaned house. I don't care what new scheme gets implemented. I'm not a defensive guru. Dude, I don't know crap about defenses compared to pretty much anyone. But I do care that, like the Titans, the Packers are well-coached that they prioritize tackling in practice, and that they prioritize communication. And I think those two things, those two things that are supposedly so simple, but have been taken for granted for so long, will totally change this Packers defense. Because that by itself will take away so many issues from the back to the front. It will take away Rasul Douglas or Eric Stokes looking like absolute fools when they try to pass off Justin Jefferson. It'll take away an atrocious run defense because guys are learning how to disengage, get off blocks and make tackles. Quay Walker's learning how to just stuff a run gap and make a tackle. That is going to do so much. And then, hopefully, again, if the firings happen the way I want them to, then you get someone in who puts his cornerbacks in positions to make plays. 
and he moves Kenny Clark around so that he isn't just a strict nose tackle. And yeah, guys haven't executed this year. But when you've seen them do it, and for a lot of them, you've seen them do it at a very, very high level, then coaching is probably where you should look. And that is exactly where I'm looking at this defense. Okay? You need to bring in coaches who are going to prioritize tackling and communication. Prioritize the fundamentals. And then you need to bring in a guy who is going to put his players in a position to succeed because that is how you get the most out of your all-pro players. And that is how you put together a defense like Denver. Ajiro Evero is the defensive coordinator of Denver. Ajiro Evero's defense would be something like 10-1 and one at this point if the Broncos could just score 18 points per game. And Ajiro Evero was almost the guy that the Packers had as their defensive coordinator. But he's not. He's not. And so this is where we're at. We're at a point where all the Packers coaches have failed to do what they need to do. They failed to teach their guys the fundamentals. They failed to stress those things. And they failed to put their guys in a position to succeed. And I think that's why we're at where we're at. The players aren't the bad players, okay? The Gutekunst is not bringing in bad players because we've seen them all play at very, very high levels. But the coaching is putting them in terrible positions at this point. So... That is what I have for you. That is my defensive breakdown. Whoo, baby. I thought that we could end on a positive note. Turns out we can't, okay? You know what? You know what? I'll give you the positive note that you probably want. Rashawn Gary, defensive player of the year type guy, going to be, as long as they re-sign him, a stud for a very, very long time. Kenny Clark, all-pro level player. Devonta Wyatt, he's not getting a lot of snaps, but he's shown a hell of a lot of flashes. TJ Slayton, just a space-eater massive dude. Preston Smith getting an extension, and he's been very solid for them. Up the middle, Devondre Campbell, first-team All-Pro last year, a great veteran presence. Quay Walker, a rookie with all the talent in the world, flies around and makes plays. At the cornerback position, Jay Alexander, top three cornerback in the NFL, no question. He's an All-Pro type guy. Eric Stokes, a guy that hasn't played great this year, but is a hell of a hell of a prospect and had a phenomenal rookie year last year. Rasul Douglas, one of the smartest cornerbacks in the NFL. That is your positive note. You have these players on the defensive side of the ball who can make plays. You just need to bring in the staff that will put them in positions to make plays. It isn't just the Joe Barry. It is all of the position coaches that all need to be looked at and I think all need to be fired. We'll see what happens there. Again, that's what I have for you. Next week, I will be previewing the Rams-Packers game. That will come on Wednesday. The plan for the recap shows, TBD, uh, that sort of depends on my travel schedule near Christmas. I will come back, uh, not next, not this upcoming Wednesday, the 14th, but a week from then to preview for you the Dolphins-Packers game, which will be a Christmas day. And then I should be all good, be able to record the Christmas recap, get that up. Things get a little bit weird around the holidays. On a side note, we are nearing the one-year anniversary of this podcast. It's really grown. Appreciate every single person who listens. It means the world to me. Now that we're past the bye, oh boy, I'm just ready to watch Green Bay Packers offense with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs front and center. That's what I'm here for. Defense isn't going to give you too much joy from now on. Trust me. Trust me. The offense can. That is what I have for you. Thank you so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. Appreciate all of it. And until next time. Go Pack Go!